Hi, I'm Resham Arden and this is the Now I Know podcast where we educate you on wellbeing topics. With me today is my dear friend Tolu where we'll be talking about a sporting mindset for our wellbeing. Welcome Tolu. Thank you so much for having me. This is an absolute honour and pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. So to the audience listening, I know Tolu in many ways. So firstly, you probably all want to thank Tolu for my podcast because he's the one who encouraged me to actually launch it. So He's also got his own podcast, Dynamis EQ. That's right. Yeah. So it's all about emotional intelligence. So I really encourage the listeners out there to check out Dynamis EQ on all podcast platforms and on YouTube channels. But the way I would describe Tolu, for, to people that know me, I describe him as my mentor at Sky. He's also head of Sky Data, so he's a great leader at the, in the office. But Sky, um, at Sky, he's also my sponsor. So every time I've wanted to do something, he puts a good word in for me. He challenges me. He's my coach. Um, and I think... One thing I want all listeners to know is great leaders need a sporting mindset and a lot of emotional intelligence. And you have both, which you're going to touch on today, Tolu. Um, but in terms of your podcast, Tolu, I listened to your last episode with Richard Washington, mm. giving great tips on recruitment. It was fascinating. I just realised all these years I've been recruiting the wrong way. Me too. <laughs> um, so I have to share that with everyone that's recruiting is check out this episode with Richard Washington. But you ask a question to your, audi- to your guests which is, tell me your story from birth to being with me today. Okay. So you're asking everyone else those questions, yeah. but no one's asking you. So I'd like to ask you, Tolu, tell me your story from birth to being with me today. Okay, how long do I have to ask this question? As long as you need. <laughs> um, so firstly, honestly, thank you so much for having me. I think for me, it's amazing being in this room with you, remembering, you know, we talked about this podcast yes. and seeing all the episodes and now we're actually here in a room. It's amazing. It's been really inspirational, really challenging for me. And it's a big part of why, you know, you encouraged me then like, it's so easy. Let's actually just do your own podcast. So Definitely. you've been a massive part of my journey. So thank you so much um, for that and for having me here um, from birth to where I am now. Wow. Um, so I was born in Nigeria um, in the North. Uh, my parents were both actually born in the UK while their parents were on holiday, but then moved back to Nigeria, grew up there. Um, so I was born there, moved to England when I was two years old, because um, both my parents had British passports and they wanted to make a different life for us. Um, so we moved to London when I was two. We first lived in East London. Um, we were very, very poor growing up um, because my parents and my mum is a lawyer, my dad's an engineer, but when they came over to England, their degrees and their qualifications were not recognised. So both my parents had really good jobs back in Nigeria, but then when they came here, they basically had to start everything again. Um, so we moved to London when I was two years old, and then we just like struggled for a long time, for probably, probably about 10 years, we really struggled in this country. Um, and at one point, my dad had to move away from London to get a job in Southampton so that he could, you know, make ends meet and different things like that. And at one point we were all living, there was six of us living in like a, a one bedroom studio flat with no bathroom. It was in like a HMO. It was really, really like, it was really disgusting. Um, and my mum says we were like wretchedly poor, right? So, wow, wretchedly. Yeah, wretchedly That's poor. That's a hard word. <laughs> yeah. That's how my mum describes it. Um, but to be honest, I had really good memories of my childhood because my parents were always there. They always tried to be around. They always tried to give us the time that we needed. Um, and then probably when I was about eight or nine years old, we moved to Southampton. Then we moved to other places in Hampshire. Um, and then for secondary school, I went to this school called Bishop Luffer. And it was, it's like a private school, but you don't have to pay for it. Um, so really good standards, Church of England school. Um, and that was, that was really interesting for me um, because up till then we'd kind of lived in not so nice places, been in that kind of environment. Um, but then going into Bishop Luffer, it's in Chichester, it's in West Sussex. So like there was not much diversity there at all, right? So I went to the school, pretty much like the only person that looks like me out of like a thousand people. And I think that really shaped me in quite a lot of ways. Um, I think we were talking about this as, yeah. as we were coming over. Um, we're just like, I just had to get really comfortable with being very different, right? So coming from like East London, where there was a lot of people like me, to Southampton, still quite a lot of people like me, but Chichester, like no people like me. Um, and I think that really shaped me a lot in terms of understanding people, um, how to navigate difference, understanding that, look, sometimes people ask you really, really weird questions, but it's because they don't know. And that's been really, I think, really grounding for me in terms of growing up and understanding that. Um, but at secondary school, I was an absolute rascal. Like, mm-hmm. I got in so much trouble. My parents were always in the school. Um, and then I think when I reached about 16 and I went to college, 
that's when I really, like I chose my subjects, you know, I chose what I wanted to do. And that was a big turning point for me in terms of becoming a lot more, I don't know what the word is, but like a productive, good citizen, like <laughs> better leader, all of those kind of things. Um, but something that's been quite consistent, you know, probably since I was about 14 is sports and basketball. You know, it started when we first moved to Southampton. One of my best friends, we'd make basketball hoops when we were like nine years old. You know, we'd play all day in the garden and it wasn't structured or anything like that, but we were just messing around and playing. Then when I was about 14, I started to get into like structured basketball, organized basketball. Um, and that's where I really learned about hard work and I learned about how you can grow, right? So I remember one coach said to me, never shoot the basketball because I couldn't shoot to save my okay. life. He was like, you are tall, you go and rebound. And that was all I had to do. And then... That summer, I didn't like the fact that he told me that. So I went away. I watched videos on how to shoot. I learned. I reconstructed everything. Um, and basketball was a massive, massive thing for me. Massive thing for me. So in college, I was the captain of the basketball team. Um, I did like student government and things like that. Um, and then kind of between college and uni, I went to this basketball camp where they were like, you're actually a good basketball player. They put me in the high set and I learned so much. Mm -hmm. And that was a massive springboard for me um, going into university where I played. Um, and then I studied abroad in America for a year, which is like the home of basketball. Um, and I tried out for a team that's like a division one team. And that for me, growing up in England, you think hard work is a certain thing. But going to America and seeing the expectation, seeing how hard they actually work, for me, that totally shifted my whole mindset. So I came back to England, quite a different person. Um, and then after university, I played semi-professional basketball for a few years for the Hemel Storm. Um, I really like their, um, on their business cards, it's, it says something like expect excellence, right? Wow. That's what Hemel Storm basketball is about, is excellence. And what I realized as well is that I'm not that talented. So, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. going from um, university where, you know, I'm the captain, I'm a starter. But when you get into semi-professional in the pro leagues, everybody there was the man on their team. Right. Oh. So someone has to be kind of bottom of the pile. And actually, I was bottom of the pile. Right. But what I learned there was that being a good teammate can get you really, really far because so there'd be years where I'm watching people get cut and I'm like, when is it my turn? Because that person's actually better than me. They're a better basketball player than I am. But there was something about, I think, probably the dynamic that I brought to the team as well, because I want to work hard. I want to be part of the team. I want to bring people together. And it just showed me how important that, that really is, because talent isn't enough. Yeah. To, to really get you at that level because at that level everybody is talented yes. you know so you have to have something more um so i retired from basketball probably when i was 25 26 um and then i've been at sky for 12 years and working this whole time i've just been on a really cool journey of going from a grad to now i'm a head of department which in my head is wild right yeah but i love that congratulations <laughs> thank you head like, of sky data wow yeah it's 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 been a yeah it's been a journey and i'm so grateful um for that um and then yeah here i am now i oh, love that love that story yeah. now you've got to answer that question which is brilliant so you know you you've mentioned sort of um you know growing up you the, you were the only one like you mm. where you went did you find any sort of anything anything negative with that any racism or was were they quite open to someone different it was probably mixed because i think that there were definitely experiences of racism there um but on the whole it was quite a positive experience um, and I think part of it is about how do you deal with it? Um, yeah, I think for me, even racism comes from a lack of understanding. And I think that I'm here to do my part in terms of bringing understanding. Um, and that's probably how I've also always dealt with it. And I feel like I try to not, not to look for it, you know, like, you, sometimes you can't avoid it, it's there, mm -hmm. but I'm personally not proactively looking for it. So it's definitely been there, it's definitely been part of the journey and part of the experience. Um, like even like randomly like walking down a street, people have said stuff. Um, but on the whole, I've just found people to be really curious. They they don't understand, they don't know. Yeah. Um, so I think for me, it's more, I prefer to treat it like that's where people are coming from. Yeah, but that's a good mindset to start, right? Because it's less, it's more of a, like I say, compassionate than like attack mode exactly. defense mode isn't it which exactly. i don't agree and i've seen you generally in the working environment Tolan. you're very good at that you're very good at diffusing situations or diffusing someone's way of thinking or like calming people down so it's a really amazing trait you have so you know when you said uh, one of your coaches was like you know you're not great at shooting yeah. um you're better off on the side passing it like did you want him to say 
I'm going to teach her to shoot? Or were you, did you accept the fact that these are my strengths and I'm just going to play to my strengths? Interesting. Do you know, I didn't, I didn't even think about it because I think for me, I'm a personal responsibility person, right? So yes, you can tell me I'm not good at shooting. So my thing is, what do I do about it, right? So I didn't even actually think about should he be teaching me or not? And I think I just went away and I was like, what can I do to change that, right? Because, okay, if I know I want to do this role or perform in this way, I, I need to bring that skill set. Um, and because the way it works in England is that, well, back then, I don't know about now, is that we would train once a week on a Sunday, right? And in that once a week, you're having to teach people the plays you're having to get people having chemistry so there's actually not that much time for my personal skills to be developed in that and I think when you think about it at work you know you have limited times in your meetings and different things like that so it's really on us to hone our skills outside of that and bring that into the environment and to manage our time that way so I actually never thought about you know should he be teaching me or not my thing was okay I need to get better how can I get better myself and in my time so it's really interesting because I never yeah. I never thought of that. But because what you've just done is, um, you know, I do run a lot of workshops where yeah. one of them is called called Own Your Success. Mm. And I say to people, don't wait for your manager to yeah. make you better. Right? Yes. There's so many ways yes. where you can do that. And that's sort of what you did. You you didn't really rely on your coach. You were like, I can, I can do that. I can do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that's the thing is that we live in the information age where there is so much information available. And this was like almost 20 years ago when YouTube wasn't on your mobile phone like that. Yeah. You know, but I still was able to find videos, find information. So now, if you want to learn pretty much anything, there's going to be a YouTube video or a website or something that you can find. Yeah. So you're right. Like we can't rely on our managers to do that. Mm. Um, but it's like a double-edged sword, right? And I don't know if that's the right word, but mm. as a manager, our responsibility yeah. is to do that. Yes. But as an, someone who's being managed, I can't rely on that responsibility because yeah. not everybody takes it seriously. Yeah. So, Or they might not prioritize it as much as you will, right? Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Or if you've got someone who manages 15 people, it's actually quite hard to do that across 15 people, you know, yeah. so being proactive and owning your owning your success is so yeah. important. Absolutely. So you know how you mentioned you were the only one in your area growing mm. up? And now obviously we know when you get to senior roles like yourself, head of, mm. there's not, not a lot of, you know, diversity with its gender, ethnicity. Um, you're obviously in a room where you're still probably going to be one of the only, only people like yourselves. How mm. are you navigating that? I think, to be honest, I don't think about it too much. Um, because I think for me, my focus is on adding value because for me, ideas and value, they speak for themselves. So regardless of who it comes from, if it's a good idea, it's a good idea. Right. And I know people have issues where they've said something and someone else says it and it's taken from that other person. I think for me personally, I take that as, well, I still had a good idea, right? If Mm. the idea that I had still gets done, I don't, and maybe this isn't the best, but I don't particularly care, you know, who who gets the credit for it? Yeah. Because I know when I go to an interview, the idea that I had got implemented and it got done, yeah. right? So for me personally, that's how I treat it in terms of focus on adding value yeah. and bringing something to the room. And then can I influence people to get my idea done if I think it's the right thing? Yeah. And then not being too too concerned about credit because I've got this thing of either I'm going to get paid now for it or I'm going to get paid later for it. Yeah. So if Sky or whoever I'm working for recognizes me, great. But if not, I'm going to take that experience to my next role, to my next opportunity, yeah. and I'm absolutely going to use that. So whether my current company recognizes it, I don't really care. Mm. You know, like it's great when they do, yeah. but if they don't, it's not, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop bringing my ideas. Yeah. You know? I love that. And you, you've always taught me that, like, I don't really care who does it, mm. as long as change happens yeah. and it's for, th- it's for the good of the people. You, exactly. you, you're a really big believer in that. Do you think that also comes back because you said when you were in the basketball team, you were just more about the team? Mm. Do you think you've sort of built, brought that in with you to your work environment? Definitely, definitely. And I think this is where for me, like when I have kids or anyone I talk to, like sports, whatever level you play at is a great thing for you because it teaches you so much about yourself. It teaches you about teamwork. It teaches you about how to win, how to lose. Like you can learn so much from from sports. And I think where I've really seen the most success is where people hold themselves to a really high standard. They hold themselves to account. You know, we're teammates, but you can go at me and I can go at you, but it's respectful. And at the end of the day, you're still my teammate. We're still on the same team. We've got to get through this together. And I feel like sports has taught me so much, so much. I'm so grateful to, because I'm Nigerian, Nigerian traditionally, like we don't really get involved with sports. 
Mm. Yeah, yes. Your books. Education. Your book, exactly. And you know that, right? So so my mum's brother, he was great at football, but he wasn't allowed to explore that. Yeah, and he regrets it. You know, because he could have been something really special. So my mum's seen that and she said, no, my kids, they show an interest in sport. I'm going to do it for them. My parents sacrificed sending me like two hours away when we didn't have money to go play basketball. And I'm I'm forever grateful for that. Wow. That's amazing. Thanks to your mum and dad. Honestly. Honestly, to I make can't you the thank man them you are today. Honestly, I can't thank them enough. Yeah, I really absolutely. Can't. So go back to basketball. Mm. So I took my kids to a London Lions mm-hmm. final match a few weeks ago. Oh my god, it was amazing. Yeah. Listeners out there, you've got to go to a basketball match, especially the finals. It was so cool, especially because you're into R&B hip hop. It was yeah. really, really great vibe. And one thing me and my kids were really shocked at was when the op- the opposition was like about to shoot. The whole auditorium like booze. Yeah. Right. And then you put a post up on LinkedIn. I've got it here, right. And I want to I want to touch on this post you yeah, did yeah. right. So you basically said, "Booze don't block dunks," right? Because mm. they would still yeah. get the dunks, yeah. And then you said the crowd impacts the game for sure, but all they can really do is make noise to mm. distract you. Mm. They can't get on the court and they can't stop you. You're the only one playing the game, the one scoring the points, the one dunking the ball. Don't let the crowd, don't let what the crowd say stop you from your game. Follow your dreams and, and follow taking the shot. Can you expand on that? Because I found it fascinating because the way I saw it was, how is this basketball guy, how does none of this noise affect him? Like, and it made me think of like, you know, peer pressure at yes. school or just yes. all these negative comments people say to you. Like elaborate on that even more because what were you trying to get from that LinkedIn post? I think, so they call it also like the game within the game, right? And sometimes they say the crowd is like the sixth person on the court because if you listen to the crowd and... In professional sports, people say terrible things, right, yes. from the crowd. And if you listen to that and you let it get into your head, you will miss the shot, mm. right? And it's it's not because you're not capable. It's not because you can't do it. It's because you're listening too much to voices that aren't actually on the court. Mm. And the way that I see it, sometimes people want to do something and they're scared of what people will think, right? So let's kind of take it. So let's say I want to start a business, right? The people on the court are the the clients that I'm pitching to, they're the people who I'm trying to sell to, they're the people on the core. People are a bit worried about, you know, am I gonna get rejected from clients? That's one thing. But the real thing that people worry about is, what's my mum gonna say? What's my auntie gonna say? What's this person gonna say? When they see that I've quit my job and I've started my business or I'm doing a podcast, whatever it is, what are they gonna say? These people aren't in the game, right? Your mum can say whatever she wants to, but she can't actually, she's not actually going to stop you. She's not the one that's going to buy or not buy. It's going to be a business. So for me, it's really about identifying the voices that you're listening to. And are you listening to people that are actually in the game or not? Because there's a difference between someone booing and someone on the court trying to block your shot. Very different. You know, in the crowd, the audience, they're not actually really in the game. You know, Mm. they're there to distract you. And it only works if you let it. You know, yeah. so we get taught to tune it out, you know. So <laughs> I remember in practice sometimes you've got your teammates saying stuff about your mum, your sister. And this is yeah. to practice wow. for the game. To train you. To train you. That mindset. I think one of my favourite moments that I remember playing basketball was we were in this really tight game. And like I said, I wasn't the best person on the team, so I didn't get in very much, right? And there was this one game and we were away from home and um, I was on the free throw line and it was a tight game right? I'm on the free throw line and your names are in the program. And so these people on the side are calling my name, saying all this stuff. And I hit both the free throws and I looked at, looked at them and they just went silent. And that for me is like the, one of the best feelings in basketball is when you can do something to silence the other team's crowd. Wow. Oh, it's, that's, that's one of my favorite memories, I think. Wow. Yeah. That's, I just found it fascinating. And I was, I've never been in that environment. And I was, I was just, I felt, and I'm an empath. I actually felt sorry for the guy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, bless him. Stop, stop booing him. Yeah. Um, and then you also mentioned on that post, you sort of said, you know, with all the job losses and changing the world, it's great to see so many people stepping out and following their dreams and doing mm. something new. Mm. Um, and I think it was a really nice message. What you said is, it's just like, just follow your dreams. Yeah. Forget about what people are saying. Everyone's got an opinion, haven't they? Yeah. Um, even us like starting this podcast, the amount of people that will say, yeah, great podcast, but da, 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 da. And I'm yeah. like, it's, and you're right, I'm just blocking out the noise. I'm like, I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm. I'm loving it. Mm. And talk to me when you're creating a podcast. Then exactly. let's talk. Yeah? Exactly. When we're on, both on the playing field, let's talk. Exactly. You know? That's why I think you and I are great to 
help each other develop and grow in the podcast world because I'm like oh, I've just learned something new and then you're like oh my god I've just learned something new so we're, 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 we want both of us to win and that's something you've always said to me is where you're like Resh I just want you to win mm. and that's every conversation we've had is like how can I help you win mm. and I just love that and that's like you've always got this like athlete, you know athlete's mindset this sports mindset but I know your um, podcast is about emotional intelligence right so you've had loads of guests mm. um, in terms of emotional intelligence what have you learned from all the guests that have come to you about emotional intelligence? Is it just, because it's very different what they come out with, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that's what I love about it is that there isn't really one definition, right? You can have the dictionary definition, but the expressions that different people have is where it's special, right? And it's really about understanding what does it mean to you and how do you use it to the, to the best of your ability? So there's this, um, this concept of competing, right? And, this lady, she's a she's a basketball coach, she's saying, lots of people work hard, but not everybody competes. You can force someone to work hard, but you can't force them to compete. And so for me with emotional intelligence, it's how do I compete in life with emotional intelligence? For me, it's a massive tool to help you to win, right? If you can understand other people, understand yourself, understand where you're trying to go, you can bring people along the journey with you because you get so much further together. Like there's stuff that you know that I will never know unless I talk to you about it, Yeah. right? And vice versa. So we need each other, right? We need teammates who are going together in the same way. You know, yeah. even like a tennis player who is a solo athlete, their teammates are their coaching staff, you know, yeah. everybody that helps them. So no one can really make it by themselves. Yeah. So for me, that's what I've loved is hearing the different facets of emotional intelligence, how different people bring that to what they do and mm. saying, okay, I really like that bit. I'm going to do that bit. You know, that's a new weapon for me in my arsenal to compete in this game we call life. In terms of the game we call life, right? So this podcast is all about well-being. It's all about making people yeah. not feel so alone. Um, and I remember you once said that um, what sporting helped you with was when you didn't get a job or you didn't get the thing you yeah. wanted. And you yeah. said, like, I think being an athlete and a, with that sports mindset really helped you overcome those yeah. challenges. Can you elaborate more on that? Yeah, yeah. So basketball is a 40-minute game split into four-minute quarters, and you've got 24 seconds for each possession, right? So you've got to shoot, do something within 24 seconds, otherwise the, team get, the other team gets the ball. So what that means is you get lots and lots of opportunities to make a play. And we had this coach, and what he said to us was, have a next play mentality. So if you screw up, don't be thinking about that going into the next play. You've got to basically clear your mind and go, okay, now I'm here in this next play. How do I make it good? How do I make sure that I compete in this play? And for me, it's the same thing with, with life. You know, sometimes things are not going to go your way. Everyone's going to miss shots. Everyone's going to lose games. There is no, no sports person that has never lost a game. Everybody's lost. So apart from Floyd Mayweather, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he probably lost growing up, but everybody's going to have adversity yeah. but your resilience and your approach and your positivity and being able to focus on the next thing be present in the next moment that for me is what's really important because like when you lead a team people are going to mess things up on your team someone's going to get something wrong but what's really going to determine how successful your team is long term is how do we deal with adversity how do we deal with getting something wrong how do we deal with losing you know that is something special that differentiates good from great bad from good like that is what it's going to hang on is how do you deal with when things don't go your way yeah that's really the key of it is can i be resilient can i bounce back it doesn't mean that you don't have negative thoughts ever no yeah. it means what do i do with it yeah. you know how do i respond to it our response is what's going to determine our outcomes time after time after time yeah there's um at scarvisa you're my mentor and obviously i mentor other people and there was someone i was mentoring and they they were really upset. They didn't get the job they wanted. Mm. And, you know, I was explaining to them about your your analogy of bouncing back mm. because I said, you know, you could either take this experience and become really negative, but mm. then it's probably going to not really help you get the next role because they've just seen how you've behaved. 100%. Or you can just learn from it, right? Or, or realise it's not the right time and yeah. what can I do better? Um, in terms of teams, like, has this emotional intelligence and this sort of team player and looking out for your peers helped you at work? Like, Have you had a team where you've had to really get to know someone and realise, oh my God, they've got something going on out, outside of work. I really need to help them. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? So one like s side note. So someone who was on my podcast, Michelle, she said about bouncing forward 
Bouncing forward, that's yeah. the one, yes. And I've taken that and it's like, I'm not just trying to get back to where I was. Yes. I'm going to bounce past where I was, make progress and move forward. So I, I've stolen that Love from her. that. Yeah, bounce yeah. forward, bounce guys, forward. not bounce yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, when she said it, I said, oh my gosh. It's a simple I, thing, right? Yeah. But it's such a big difference. Yes. It makes a massive difference. Um, I think that's what I've probably learned the most from managing teams and people. Like some of the things that people have shared with me about what's going on in their home life, whether it's like domestic abuse or infertility or, you know, bereavements in the family, it really makes you put everything into perspective and say, okay, this person is acting this way, but you don't really know what's going on underneath. Yeah. You know, and that's where team is so important in terms of being able to cover each other, have each other's back and say, okay, you're having an off day, week, season, whatever it is, but at the core of it as a leader, I have to know that I believe in this person. I hired you because I believe in you. Yeah. You're here because I've seen something good in you. Yeah. So right now what's happening, that's not that's not you. You know, this is a circumstance, a situation, it's adversity, but that's not you. Yes. You know, and that is what I really try and keep is that most people want to be good at their jobs. Most people want to deliver value. They want to be valuable. Yeah. They're not here to just collect money for free. There are some people, but that's not most people. Yeah. So that's where understanding and saying, okay, what is really going on with you? Yeah. You know, what's going on at home? Is everything okay? It makes a massive difference because I can cover you. Yeah. You know, I can come alongside you and you don't have to feel alone because I feel like at work, especially people feel like, is it okay to talk about that stuff at work? Yeah, you know? they're not sure. They're not sure. Mm. And that's where for me it's so important that we have those conversations because we are like holistic people, mm. right? It's not that easy to separate work and home and this. Work will, will affect home. Home will affect work. Yeah, Everything's going to mix together. Mm. And that's where it's so important that we take care of the whole person, not just their performance at work. Absolutely. I think kindness is key, isn't it? Yes. Because when there is that, you know, when you're leading a team and there's that oh, frustration, imagine you're a coach and your team isn't performing and yeah. it's, they're not having a great day. You know, it's not like them. Yeah. So adversity doesn't define you. It's no. like we all have a good and bad days, you know. But Tolu, like, I've met loads of leaders on my journey, loads of leaders. Um, there is not a leader out there like you. You wow. are kind, you are humble, you care about your people. You want everyone to win. Mm. And there needs to be more people like you, right? But... What made you like this? Is it your upbringing? Is it your circumstance? Like, how were you like this? Like, you've got siblings. Are you all like this? I think a big part of it is from my parents. Um, so we come from a Christian background. And what I've loved about my parents is that they tried to raise us not as Nigerians, but as Christians. So a lot of the things in the Bible about kindness, about gentleness, about humility, those are things that I've not only been taught, but I've also seen my parents live out. So for example, my dad, you know, when he goes to the scrapyard, if you see how he interacts with every single person in that place, he's so kind, so respectful. It doesn't matter if they're the bottom person or the top person, my dad has always been like that. Um, and my mum, like, just the way that they've always dealt with us as as kids and then transitioning into adulthood, I've learned so much from my parents. Um, and like I said, I can never thank them enough for what they've done for me. And then I've had great leaders um, throughout my career at Sky. Um, so, you know, Harry Gill, Wayne Butler, my current leader, Danny Chumbly, like, all these people have shown me how to lead with emotional intelligence. Yeah. So for me, I'm very much a product of the people, the coaches, everybody, my friends, you know, like I have great friends, you know, yeah. my network is so good. It's full of people like you, like just who they're just great. Yeah. And I'm so grateful to have been around good people. And it's just that constant thing of, okay, here's a good example to learn from. Here's a good one. This didn't go so well. Okay. Why didn't that go well? How do I learn from that? Because you can learn from good and bad people. Yeah. You know, um, you know, Pierre, um, Coppa yeah. from from work, right? So I had a couple of mentoring sessions with him and he was like, You might want to go work for a, an a-hole, right? Like a bad person. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, why would I ever want to do that? Yeah. And he was like, You can learn so much from learning because I was a little bit hesitant to 
move out from under Wayne, right? Yeah. So Wayne, Wayne's amazing. Wayne's my, oh, like, I love Wayne to pieces, right? And I was thinking about my career progression and wanting to become a head of department and there wasn't, it didn't look like there was opportunity. And I was telling him like, I want to go work for someone good. Mm. And Pierre was like, you might want to go work for an a-hole. And I was like, why would I do that? Yeah. And he said, because you can learn so much. You'll find out more about yourself. You'll know what kind of leader you want to be, you don't want to be. And when he said that, it freed me to say, okay, I'll go try something new. And if they're an a-hole, it's okay. You know, like I will learn. This. Exactly. I'll, learn, yeah. I'll become better from that. You know, so those are some of the, the touch points that I've had that have helped me say, okay, it's okay. You know, step out, do this, do that. And just to grow as a leader, which I think is so important for everybody. Yeah. It's funny you say that. I was I was um, having this discussion. I think we spoke about it, how I was, uh, I brought someone into the business, young guy, grad, and he, obviously, I'm very kind and very nurturing type of motherly type manager. And he's like, oh my God, it's great. I said, it's not always this great. <laughs> and he wanted to for another job. And I said, yeah. just so you know, not all leaders are like me no. and Tolu. And there was no. another guy called Dem that we used to work with. And um, it, I mean, thank God he's gone to a great team and he's, we love him. But he, you know, I had to open his eyes that not everyone is like this. No. Um, and that's why looking after yourself and really just like owning your success is so important. Mm. Um, so obviously this podcast is about well-being, Tolu. And you know, have you ever been in situations where you wish you looked after your well-being even more? Like, did lockdown affect you? That's a really interesting question. I think, <laughs> yeah. So I think for me, your physical health is really important, right? And that links into the mental and the mental leans into the physical. And I remember in the lockdown, I had this housemate, um, Mido, and he's Egyptian. And one day he looked at me and he, he went, brother, you're getting fat. And I, was like, <laughs> oh, no. I was just like what and for me that was a really caring thing to say because he knows me he yeah. knows what's important to me he knows the values i try and live my life by and, and, he, and he came from a good place yeah. yeah and like he's like brother like and i could tell like there was compassion there you know yeah. and that really sparked me to start taking better care of myself and playing within the rules of what we could do in lockdown, you know, going to the car park and doing skipping and doing this. And it really boosted even my mental headspace. Um, but I think like in this like last few months, you know, there's stuff going on at work that I'm not going to fully say, but yeah. it's been really emotionally draining. And I really had to take a step back, look at all the things that I had going on and then start to prioritize and then start to say, okay, I know that my capacity is being soaked up right now by this thing. Mm -hmm. My, you know, whether it's my time, my emotions, my my headspace is being zapped by this thing. So I need to take a step back. I need to start saying no to some things. Yeah. I need to start, you know, prioritizing getting free space where I don't have to think about anything. Yeah. You know, and that's been really interesting for me because I feel like I'm generally quite level. You yeah. know, like things don't necessarily really phase me this much. Um, but you know, in this situation, and this is also what I've realized, I think I take things happening to other people a little bit harder than mm. it is for me, because if it's for me, I'm like, I can roll that off, but watching other people go through something and watching people who I really like and I respect going yes. through a really, that was really like, I wanted to fight everyone. Yeah. I was like, oh, you know, and that was really tough for me. Yeah. Actually really, really tough for me. And I, and I feel that a lot because I know when I'm, I always say you're like my brother from another yeah. mother. Like if I need you, I'm like, Tolly, I need to talk to you. And you, you like, yeah, I've got I'm you. ready. But then when it's you, you're just like, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's fine. It's what it is. We're just rolling with the punches, yeah. you know. Um, but I really appreciate that. But also, I mean, I'm really trying to get more men to open up about their feelings yeah. and mental health, especially after lockdown. Wellbeing's really, really been an important topic. So who supports you, Tolu, when you really need that someone to talk to? So I have a really good group of friends. So when I was getting married and Carla asked me like, okay, how many groomsmen do you want? And I had my list and it was like 27 people, wow. right? And she was like, what? How do you have... But I have so many good guy friends around me who will ask the tough questions, will say the tough thing like, brother, you're getting fat. Like you mm. need to... Like what's going on, you yes. know? So I have... I'm, I've been so blessed to have really good friendships growing up. But what I found is that that comes by being open. You know, that mm. comes by... So in the Bible it says, you know, if you want to have friends, show yourself friendly. Nice. You know, so if I want to be, if I want to have lots of friends, I also need to be a friendly person. Yeah, you know? true. And I, if I want to have openness and I want to have good relationships, I have to give that myself. You yeah. know, I have to be willing to say, look, I'm not having a good day right now. You know, this is going on in my life and it's really hard. 
you know, so I think as guys, sometimes it feels like that's a really hard thing to do. You know, back to the thing about the the crowd, you know, what are people going to say if I tell them that this is what I'm going through? Yeah. If I tell them, so I had one of my friends tell me that he was think he'd thought about committing suicide. Wow. You know, and in the moment I was like, I'm so grateful it didn't actually work or it didn't happen. Yes. But in that moment, you must have felt like you couldn't tell me that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and that for me, like, has just challenged me, like, okay, have the awkward conversation. You know, like, you see something going on and you say, like, how are you doing? And someone's like, oh, I'm okay. It's like, no, but really, how are you, how are you actually mm. doing? What's going on? And I think sometimes as guys, we're uncomfortable to go fast that, past that first bit of, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. You know, I'm okay. Everything's good. And to really... Ask three, four times. Okay, but how are you really doing? How do you really feel about that? Yeah. You know, I saw this happen. What What did you think about that? Mm. You know, and open up those conversations. And that's one of the things I love about podcasting is that it teaches you to ask better questions. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the key. Definitely. Ask better questions. So, you know, you said um, you've got great friends around you. They know the right questions to ask. So if there's um, someone listening out there and they know that there's one of their male friends or female, whoever it is, isn't right and they don't know what's the right question to get to open up what was some could you share like a great question that someone said which is obviously an open question that helped Mm. you open up Mm. so i think when you ask someone like how are you doing you know they'll say oh i'm okay i'm good i'm like what's good what's good at the moment what's bad at the moment you know Mm. what have you been going on what's been going on with you like how's work what's happening here Mm. and i think it's getting past that first initial question um i was taught about you know the five whys so and this was in a client perspective so you know someone says oh i want to i want to increase my sales why do you want to increase your sales uh because you know i want more money why do you want more money Mm. you go through many iterations of asking people why Mm. and that opens up conversations and someone said to me about listen to understand not to respond so if you're going to have that conversation with someone almost like commit to yourself that i'm not really going to respond other than to find out more. Um, right. So in the in the podcast with Rich, um, Richard Washington, they talked about and what else? Yes. You know, so like, okay, you're good. And what else? Mm. You know, what else is going on? And you can ask it lots of different ways, mm. but really just ask more probing questions as a principle. Ask questions that will help you to understand that person more, whatever that looks like. So if someone says, you know, I'm good, you can say, okay, out of one to 10, what would you say you are? You know, because mm. good could be three. It could be 10. So what does good mean to that person, yeah. you know? And what is it compared to yesterday, right? Exactly. Um, and why? Yeah. Why is yesterday different from today? Yeah. What's gone better? What's gone worse? Yeah. So those kind of things, those nuances are really important mm. in understanding people and opening people up because people like to talk about themselves, yeah. right? I like how you said, um, listen to understand. Yes. Because I think some people fear asking the question because they're like, I don't know what to do with this information. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. You don't, the Wayne did that to us once, right? So in our team meetings, he would say, I'm going to ask everybody to rate themselves from one to 10 in terms of how happy they are. We're not going to do anything about it. So I'm not going to try and fix it. But I just want to hear how are you feeling? And this was like during COVID. It was like, I want you to reflect on how you're feeling and share that with the group, you know? And it, it wasn't so that he could fix it. It was yeah. just, how are you feeling? And why are you feeling that? Wow. Yeah. And it helped him understand like where where everyone's energy levels are today. Exactly. Isn't it? That's exactly. brilliant. Love exactly. that. And it made it so that if I then want to have a different conversation with someone, we all know how each other are feeling. Mm. You know, so if you're a three and I'm a three, I can go to you up and say, hey, I feel like a three too. Like if you really want to, let's have a conversation. That's lovely. It opens the door. Mm. And I thought that was that was really powerful. That's so nice. I think what's worked with me is like, you know, I've always shared, I'm quite open. I've started to share. As m- mm. The more comfortable I've been at work, I think yes. I've shared how I am. Or like even just stuff like, oh gosh, just, you know, I've only had four hours sleep today. And someone else goes, oh my God, same here. You know, like just mm. opening up first is so important. But for those that can't open up, it's really hard. I think as a leader, that vulnerability is so powerful because at Sky, people look up to you a lot. Right. So for them to hit, it's it's factual, you know, (laughs) like it's not even, it's just a fact, you know. So for them to say, okay, Resh is someone I look up to and she has off days or she feels this way or that makes them feel like, oh, it's okay. You know, it's normal for someone to not feel great all the time. You know, that's, and as leaders, I feel like that is so important to open up to your teams and say, okay, this is actually what's going on with yeah. me. And it's funny you say that because um, I shared it with somebody and then they, they didn't even realise that I went through a divorce and I was single over lockdown. And they were like, you know, you need to share your story because, Agreed. you know, the amount of people can relate to you. And they're like, oh, actually, like, 
even great people have bad days. Yeah. And we, we all do. And I was like, okay. So it was on my mind. I mean, you were like, Rush, you got to go for it. And I thought, and it's so powerful, isn't it? Just sharing your story. Yeah. So, such a powerful thing. Pow- yeah. The power of conversation is, is massive, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think, t- speaking of the power of conversation, you and I connected even more because we're both part of like a, a diversity inclusion network. Mm. And you were like, you approached me like, Rush, we'd love you to share your journey and your story. Mm. Um, and I was like, what, me? You know, and you're like, yeah, people want to hear from you. And I was really surprised. So I think I thank you, Tolu, because that was one of my first talks. I did one on stage once, but it was one of my first talks showing my story. Um, and at the time, you don't realise the impact. It's just after when yeah. people listen, they like bump into you. They're like, thank you. It's about like the podcast. We're doing it. Yeah. When you realise the impact after. Um, so I really thank you for sharing your story as well. Um, but I think with... Um, the sporting mindset. Another thing that really helped me understand people was there's, um, I talk about a lot with people in my workshops is the playbook on Netflix. Okay. They basically have not seen it. It's a really great way of looking at teams because it's about, you know, coaches and managers that have taken football teams and basketball teams and mm. how they've turned them around when they're at the lowest it's low. The playbook? the playbook on okay. Netflix. Really good. And, um, but what's really interesting is it doesn't show the highs of the teams. It shows mm. the lows and then mm. how they, mm. and a lot of it was like, togetherness and knowing yes. your people yes. and that that sports coach mindset relates to everything yeah. even in lockdown there was a guy called tony lester like a, a journalist in sky and he did a talk called um how to look after yourself like an athlete mm. and he basically was like does an athlete run from nine to five no. does an athlete not eat and not not to have water or take a break mm. and i then did that talk with my team because mm. there were people on my team that found lockdown hard because they mm. weren't logging off they were working till late mm. And I said, you're going to burn out. Mm. Burnout's a really, really big thing. Um, and you and I went to an event a few days ago, didn't we, about burnout. And mm. it's massive in this working culture, you know. So I know with coaching, when you were training to be a basketball player, did you ever burn out because you really wanted to be the best you could be? No, because I think, and I feel like this is where understanding yourself and also knowing what's going to have the biggest impact is so powerful, right? So... With basketball, if you're not careful, you can run your body into the ground because you're training. You can overtrain, right? Your body is best after rest and recovery. And you can have active rest and things like that, and et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like with basketball, because I'm, and do you know what? Maybe if I was a professional athlete, mm. it might have been different. Maybe if, because when I was semi pro, I was still working. So I had to go to work. You know, I, eight hours a day, I have to be working. I can't be training. Um, so in between, I would love to go train, right? Because, and that's why I think sports is so great because it's physical. You have to think, you have to do this, you have to do that. So for me, that was really, really powerful. I think I've probably been closer to burnout in work right. than I have in sports because I feel like sports has, you know, I have two hours of training and then I can do my extra stuff if I want to, but I can't also physically train out eight hours, nine hours a day. Yeah. But at work, I have to be there seven and a half hours then if I want to, I can work another four or five hours. And in lockdown, like you said, it was so easy to kind of flow that through. Mm. Um, and I think what's been, what I've been quite blessed with is that in my early career, I worked like a madman till like one, two in the morning. But that got me to where now I don't have to. And my dad is actually, and his dad were workaholics. Right, so I've yeah. also had awareness of that. Like we have the capacity to work ourselves and so I've been quite conscious of that. And that's yeah. probably also why I've never really got to that place. Because my dad and I have had conversations about it. Like his dad was always away, never available, always working. Mm. And my dad tried to really do differently. Yeah. And he really did. And now that he's, you know, all the kids are gone, he works as long as he wants to. Yeah. But identifying that that trait is there has yeah. probably been what's also stopped me from really going to that place. Because yeah. I know it can happen. And I think because like you and I have come from, you know, like immigrant families, you know, mm. their their whole ethic, isn't it? Yeah. Culture is just you've work. got to work hard to be work. something. Yeah. Work hard, just don't stop, don't stop. So it's a bit like, you know, when you want to do something different, like your own business, they get yeah. worried because like, no, you have to work for somebody and yes. your bills need to get paid. The security. But, but it's their map of reference, which we've spoken about, is that's all they knew. Yes. You know? Yes. And I think one thing you and I really love doing is nurturing the new people that come in. Yeah. You know, and I think you and I are very much like, you know, we're seen as these figures that really care about the people and not just, you know, all the people that are already great leaders, but all those new people. And it's like, you know, this is how you're going to navigate your career, you know, and this is how I'm going to help you. So I think that's been amazing. But even with you just saying to people, I just want you to win, Mm. like, 
you're you've always just had this passion isn't it so do you do this outside of work as well with people you know absolutely because i think for me what is better than my friends winning Mm. right what's better than seeing people happy and sometimes it's tough to get there right and that's the journey and that's what friendship is for and one of my friends he said something really cool he said like you know your friends should be like your board of directors as a company you know you should be able to come to your friends and they have an invested interest in you you know they want you to succeed and sometimes it's going to be tough questions and challenging but it's about the only reason i'm asking you because i want you to win like i don't care if you do what i'm telling you to or not right as long as you win it doesn't have to be by my advice yes you know so for me like, I would love to see all my people winning, yeah. you know? Like, what's the point of if I'm winning, you know, I'm making loads of money, I'm doing all this stuff, but my friends can't enjoy it with me. Yeah. Like, what's the point of that? Because also, even if I have all the money in the world, there's going to come a point where my friends are tired of taking stuff from me because I have good friends like that. Yeah. They're going to want to be able to bring their own and contribute. So the only way is really that we all win. Yeah, absolutely. Know? And I think surrounding yourself with great people it yeah. makes a huge impact, right? So. I think anyone listening who is feeling really down, it's, it's trying to find that community of people that you can really open up and talk to. Mm. Um, we spoke about my, lo- um, I've got my other podcast with Sook Pada and it was like, I've met like, you know, they say, you know, they say men don't speak up or they mm. need an environment. I'm like, I've met loads of guys that talk. Yeah. So it's finding those people that you can really open up to and talk and who, like I so say, who care about you and want 100%. you to win, you know? And in like LinkedIn, right? I've been getting more involved with LinkedIn and I have met so many good people just on LinkedIn, right? Strangers who you can have a conversation with, they'll ask you questions and they'll get you involved in stuff. So that's where for me, like, if you're concerned about it and you don't know what to do, literally like jump on somewhere like LinkedIn because what I like about LinkedIn is because it's businessy, mm. a lot of stuff on there is uplifting, Definitely. educational. It's not got to the point yet where there's just loads of rubbish on there. Yeah, Everybody on there is trying to add value in one way or another. Definitely. And you still have to sift through like nonsense from people who are trying to add value but they don't actually know what they're talking about. Yeah, But most people on there really good people yeah you know so if even if you're concerned about that like connect with people whether it's linkedin or facebook you find a group of people that you can plug into and it, it takes bravery that's the absolutely. thing absolutely just just making that first Make step that isn't step. it absolutely i love that tolu so we have a closing question okay. on this podcast so obviously it's now i know about sports mindset for our well-being what would, with everything you've learned in life i know you're still young you're still a young man yeah. but everything you've learned in life what would you go back and tell teenage Tolu about a sporting mindset for his well-being I think what I would tell my younger self does it have to be one thing or can I say a few things many Many lessons as you can think of so Mm -hmm. one thing is everything is figure outable right so no matter what challenge comes up you can broadly figure it out right so go into everything with that confidence that I can figure it out you know and if I can't figure out by myself I can connect with people and know that together we can figure it out. I think I would also say that diligence is so important. So consistency. So being able to turn up every day, work hard, and make the most of your time. Because I feel like, you know, everyone says, oh, you're a hard worker. But like, we don't actually know, like, what does hard work mean? Yeah. You know, so learning about diligence and hard work from an earlier age, because I think, honestly, if I'd been that diligent, so when I moved to America for a year, I had access to a basketball court and for four hours a day, I could just play basketball. And I learned to play with my left hand and I could shoot like it was my right hand. Right. And that was in a few months. So if imagine if I'd actually just focused on basketball or diligence at whatever it was, whether basketball or business, yeah. and put that kind of effort at game speed, you know, practicing properly, like you'd be a totally different person. They said if you put, I think it's like 18 minutes a day or something into something over the course of a year, it puts you in the top 5% of people for that thing in the world, right? So wow. not that much time, but dedication, diligence and practicing hard puts you in the best in the world right so that's where like that's probably what i would say and also like buy bitcoin is probably what i would also say it's interesting is if you re- rewind time what you would do yeah what would you do what would you say to your younger self the storm does pass mm. i think i can get you know me i can get like I'm a typical Pisces. When I, someone said to me, Resh, you are a typical Pisces. When you're upset or down, mm. it takes you like you, for two weeks, you swim away. Right. And then you come back and I'm like, right, 
I've mean, got yeah. over it. I'm, yeah. I'm ready now yeah. for the to grow. But I think I, I think I'm really hard on myself, mm. and I think. I would go back and tell myself, like, you are amazing. I think, like, you know, when he was, yeah. I was like, oh, really? Am I yeah. And, you know, my therapist, I see, I remember I got an award um, as a change maker, change maker award and someone who is adding value. And I said to my therapist, oh, I've had a really great day. I won an award. And she went, you know, you don't need an award to know that you're amazing, right? Oh. And I was like, yeah, it's nice to have, but you're right. You know, yeah. you know, she was really like, you don't need all these things. You don't need all that. And I think you've sh- shown me that. And I think... I think I needed to believe in myself more. Yeah. You know, really believe in myself, have a bit more confidence, mm. which is why I'm trying to do that with my kids. Yeah. Like, you're amazing. Yeah. Like, you've got this. And I think, and, uh, you know, a bit like that whole basketball analogy, like, just block out the noise. Yes. There is so much noise, especially culturally as well. Like, when yeah. you're going for adversity and the things, you know, they say, they will say this and they will say, who, who, who is, is who they? Is they? <laughs> Please tell me who is who they. Who are they and why do I care? Yeah, bring them to me. And one yeah. thing I said to my mum and dad was, are they, are they going to help me when I'm going through my exactly. lowest lows? They don't no, care. They don't care. So that's oh. another thing I would say to myself: Who cares? Who? Yeah. As long as you're not hurting anybody and you've got good intention, go with it. Yeah. You know. So yeah, thank you for throwing that back at me. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, that's no. Yeah, it's just so interesting how we look. That's that's another reason why I I call this podcast now. I know because mm. I'm learning so much in my forties, right? Mm. And I was like. Like like breathwork. Breathwork has saved me. Like that's another thing I say to myself. When you are anxious, fresh, control your breath. It mm. is the your biggest savior is your breath control, and it's something I teach people at, in the office at Sky. That's people come to me the first aid room and they're like, "Fresh, I know you do breathwork. Let's do breathwork together." Mm. I'm like, it's a it's such a powerful thing, but I think, you know, and I said to my daughter, "I'm learning so much. I just wish I knew it." And then mm. I was like. That's what the That's podcast could be called. Now I know. Because you always come away from a podcast and going, now I know how to recruit. Now mm. I know how to about sports mindset. So it just mm. sort of sort of flowed. Mm. Um, and it's funny you say that because everyone's like, I just love the name. Yeah. Now it's I know. It's a great name. Yeah. But so thank question, you. Question yeah. for you. So yeah. you know you mentioned about anxiety. How often do you feel anxious? Um, it can sometimes it can be every night wow. for the next morning because I'll be because I'm a single parent. Sometimes I'll be like, Am I gonna wake up and or miss my alarm? I get really anxious. Like, so my kids are like, you've got so many alarms going off since six till seven. I'm like, because I get scared I'm not going to wake up. Yeah. Um, I get anxious just like dropping them to school and then trying to get into the office. Right. Um, So what I've learned to do is really prepare myself the night before. Like, so I will check my emails every night. Mm. So I'm prepared. Like, Mm. I know which room I'm going to. Mm. I know what time I've got to get to the car park? Mm. Do I need to get someone else to do the school run? You know, mm. just stuff like that. Mm. So people don't realise it's almost every day. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? I don't know. I think, I've never actually asked that question, where does it come from? But I think it's just that anxiety of doing well. I just want to be the best every day. And I think I probably put too much pressure on myself. Mm. And I think we're in lockdown, I started to, I'd go to sleep and the only way I could describe it was I felt like someone was putting a pillow over my face. And I was like waking up like with this, like trying to gasp for air. And I told my therapist, I said, I'm, she said to me, you're having a panic attack. And I didn't even know that was, I didn't even know what it was. Mm. And I was like, oh my God. And that's when she taught me like, this is what you need to do when it happens. And these are, if these are the things that make you anxious, she said, you know, eliminate your fears. What is your fear? Not going to wake up. Okay thousand alarms go to bed early so like i say to like my sister after 10 i'm not answering my phone because i need to have a really good sleep to wake up and my kids know that they're like mommy gets anxious just waking up in the morning so they're really good they'll make sure that their their clothes are ready or Mm. they're they've got a clock so they know to get up so don't just wait for your mum to get up you know what time you've got a gap as well if you hear the alarm going off can you wake up so yeah it's really interesting how that sort of happens and i think it's just how you, and it, it happens over time. Like you've, you've, you know, you're wiring yourself and stuff. I feel like I'm rewiring myself. Yeah. And that's what people say to me. They'll be like, Rish, you've changed. What's happened? That's good. Um, and, and anxiety, I was, there's a Netflix show called um, The Brain Explained. Yes. And it explains how breath work um, calms a part, part of your brain that does that fight or flight. Mm. So I was, I used to have really bad road rage. Yeah. I'd be like, oh my God. <laughs> and my kids even now, it happens. I'm like, you do you. Yeah, exactly. And my kids are like, are you, Oh, you're so you? calm. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, breath work, babes, you know? Uh, uh-huh. Or like, you know, if the kids spill something in the morning, you're trying to get out of the house mm. and I'd get, get really annoyed and I feel really bad looking back at the old me, but now I'll be like, oh, don't worry, just clear it up. So, mm. You know, we'll just clear it up later. And they're just like, 
who is this woman in our yeah. house? You know, so it's amazing what breathwork does. Just that whole fight or flight. So I'm a lot calmer. You know, I've, talk, I've spoken about your, on your podcast before how even if I got an email yeah. from work and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, now yeah. I'm just like, I'll deal with it later. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. Um, wow. But yeah, so anxiety is a big, and I know it's a big thing generally, but mm. I didn't know it was like a panic attack until like mm. I told my therapist, like I felt like someone put a pillow over my face and she mm. was like, that's a panic attack. Like, oh, I was like, oh, wow. I didn't even know. It's it's so interesting because I think for me, what it shows is resilience as well, because, and also when you told me you're an introvert, right? Yeah. Like these things are, I would never think you get anxious. Never. Like I would n- it wouldn't even cross my mind. And I think what's really encouraging about that is that people can go through things, you know, and in, sometimes introversion gets a bad rap in terms yes. of you should be an extrovert, but it's, it's okay to be in, like, it's a good thing, yeah. you know, and anxiety and things like that. It's like the fact that you function so highly as well. Yeah. I would never think of that, but I think it just goes to show that look, all the things that happen to different people, none of it has to stop you yes from being successful from being looked up to from leading yeah you know so for me it's just really it's inspirational when it's just like your resilience i'm like i didn't realize yeah. that that's what's happening every day yeah it's like when you and i were preparing for today and i was like totally sometimes i need to know a structure mm. and you're like oh, I, let it I was like i get anxiety even mm. just doing a podcast sometimes because if i don't have structure i feel like i feel like i'm out of control mm. so i'm um, like anxiety is like lack of control of something mm. so if you can do something to minimize yeah. that um and i think for me so for example even you know i run lots of workshops at yeah. sky i like half an hour before i have to go for a walk i have wow. to go in the first aid room do some breathing yeah because when i walk in i'm so nervous and people are like are you never serious tell. could never tell yeah. and i tell them wow. after i'm like did you know i had to do this prep myself before i even walked into that room that's huge yeah. like that's because sometimes i think my fight or flight is broken because for me, like, I know that I'm not in control. <laughs> and I'm just like, because I know I'm not in control, there's no point in, you know, like, there's yeah. nothing I can do. So if yeah. it goes wrong, it goes wrong. Like, I'm going to figure it out. So sometimes I wonder if, like, my fight or flight is broken because <laughs> it just doesn't, I don't know. There's something not not there. But I think those ways of dealing with it are so important and yeah. ways of being able to still be your best self, yeah. even though you've got this battle to deal with. Yeah. Like, you know, we said earlier about stories are so important. That's why I love podcasts because mm. people think that, for example, like podcast hosts are different kinds of people. No, they're literally just like you or yeah. me. Everybody, you know, anybody can anybody, do this. Yes. And there is power in sharing stories and testimonies and how you've overcome things. Yes, definitely. You know, it's so powerful because there's so many people who mm. are going through things and they don't know how to get to the other side yeah. and that, that's what I love about now I know is now, it I like, know, yeah. now I know how to get to the other side yeah absolutely you know? and I think as well you know like we just want everyone to thrive yes. right and I think with you with me I think I've probably only I'm successful because I've like you said it's a, you, you can't do it on your own no. I've had great mentors like yourself like sponsors like just someone I can just pick up that for you're that person like mm. I can just pick up the phone and just talk to you and I said Joe, if you ever leave how can I get you hold of you on just teams and you were like yeah. there's whatsapp <laughs> yeah. I was like okay cool but like you have that support network and you know who these uh, those people are and I think mm. I'm so grateful I'm only a great mum because I've got great kids around me I've, mm. I'm only you know I've got my parents support I've got my brother like my when we went to the event my brother was looking after the kids while mm. we went out mm. um, you know you've got my back you're like Resh come on let's do this event together because me and you're like oh my god but we have to socialise <laughs> and I was like if we go and do this together yeah. and it was it was, it was right. great we yeah. were good it was great got loads of people to look at our podcast at the same time absolutely what I was going to say is is that sometimes we see winning and losing as like I think it's called like a zero sum game where you know for Resh to win I have to lose But that's not actually true, right? And I was just thinking about like my friends winning. And I think some of it comes from an abundance mindset where you can win and I can win and she can win and he can win. And it doesn't mean that anybody else has to lose. Mm. You know, and I think that that's that's really the switch in mindset is that someone else winning doesn't mean that I have to lose. And if you can figure that out, what actually happens is your winning ups my winning, which ups that person's and everybody rises together. Mm. So I think that that scarcity mindset needs to like die. Yeah, because a lot of people that are insecure about others is that they feel like they're going to lose out if someone else thrives, isn't it? But it's not true. And there's space for everybody. There there is so much money in this world. Yeah. Yeah. 
that everybody could have money. Yes. There's so much money. There's not a lack of really anything in this world, even yeah. food, right, where people are suffering. It's not because there's a lack of food. We throw away more food than they would ever need. Yeah. You know, everybody can survive and thrive on this planet yeah. and actually be okay. Maybe that's a bit controversial, that line. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. there is enough to go around yeah. in terms of careers and this and that. There's enough. Yeah. And I think, like you say, the abundance mindset, yeah. um, like, even when we've been doing this podcast, it's like... The collaboration is and the community yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Like people just want you to do well. They're like, yeah, I'm going to come on your podcast and then you come on mine. Yeah. And then we're going to share your each other's stuff. It's amazing. It's such a beautiful community of people. Like I'm so grateful that we're on this journey yeah. in 2023. And I know it was like a little passion project, but it's just, I think it's, it's a thing that keeps me going. Yeah. And I think we've met great people. Like there's people I've connected with that I never thought I would connect with. Yeah. They're people that are supporting me that I never thought would be my supporters. Yeah. Like it was, it's amazing, this journey. And, and this is where like, don't rely on your family because strangers yes. will be more on board with your stuff yeah. than your family sometimes ever would or could be. Yeah. You know, so it's so, it's so important to just keep going. And what's really challenging me about what you do is that you invest money into this you have you go into the studio yeah. like you're consistently investing for your listeners and that really challenged me a lot i was like wow yeah wow. that's like when i was like you're gonna come to the studio you're like yes absolutely yeah absolutely and you know like you know and I'm, I'm really grateful for the studio guys as well because they really because yeah. like, i'm like i've got a lunch break and i'm free can i yeah. come to the studio and they, they laugh at me like not a lot of people come in a lunch break and do a, a talk no. you know but the way i see it is is like I'm going to talk to you anyway. Let's yeah. just do it in the studio. Let's yeah. share it with everyone else. They might 100%. learn something from this conversation. The amount of times I've had conversations with people now and they'll go, we need a mic for here yeah. right now while we're having this conversation. Because that's what I think I love is like, you know, surrounding yourself with great people. You know, l think about the people you're with right now mm. and the sort of conversations you're ha having. Mm. Are they really toxic, negative conversations about others mm. or bringing people down? Or are they like conversations like inspiring you and other people and mm. uplifting? Mm. So I think your community and who you are around is so, so, so key. So, so important. Key, you know? But Tolly, thank you so much. I could talk to you forever. We're going to have to do like a part two and a part three. <laughs> but I'm really glad you came to the studio. Thank you so much for having so me. So everyone listening, let them know how to connect with you, Tolly. My name on LinkedIn is Tolly Adebeken. We can put it in the, in show, the show notes. notes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, on all platforms, Dunamis EQ or Dunamis EQ Leadership Podcast. If you search that, it'll come up. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank Rash, you, honestly. Tolly. I'm so looking forward to the journey for next year. Like this is just the start of the podcast journey, but thank you. Absolutely. And thank you to everyone for listening. <laughs>